as I was studying this week, I was just thinking. You know how I was just talking to Rod before church, and we were just saying it's funny how when you're young, how things seem to go by slowly at times, but how when you get older, things seem to speed up. And I always think that because when we get together as family, we get together at Thanksgiving, and we also get together at Christmas at uh, my sister-in-law's house. And when we do that, it seems like the time, the older I get, it's just that month between those two things, it goes by so quickly. And so I'd start out this morning, and I'd ask you a question. Since we did just have Christmas and all, what was the best gift that you received for Christmas? What was that thing? You know, because again, it's something I notice as I get older. As I get older, the things I want tend to be more expensive than the things I wanted when I was young. Well, maybe not, but for the most part, they do. What was the best thing that you received for Christmas? On Christmas morning at my house, we live in this age of technology, and my son could hardly open up his gifts before he's snapping pictures of it and sending it to his friends. And we're like, hey, family, you know, celebrate, birth of Christ, be happy with us. But he's looking at what he had, and he wanted to share that with his friends. Maybe some of you this morning are wearing something new that you'd gotten for Christmas. If you're a dad, it's probably T-shirts, and no one will even notice, but congratulations, Dad. Welcome to almost 2020. Here we are. I can't even believe it. You know, two decades ago, we're standing in this very place, and we were praying in the new year, wondering if all the computers would crash. You know, if this is how society, it would be this group of us banded together, defending ourselves against Terminator reality or whatever. I didn't know. But here we are, 2020. Let's talk this morning about resolutions. How many of you here make resolutions? for the new year. You don't have to raise your hand, but really, have any of you resolved to do something? I was looking at statistics when it came to resolutions. Did you know that approximately 65% of people make resolutions? Here's what's strange too. I'll read you some of the top ones. Diet or eat healthier, exercise more, lose weight, save more, spend less, learn a new skill or hobby, read more, Find another job. Spend time with family and friends. Did you know that the failure rate for the people who make resolutions is typically 80%? What's even crazier about that is that for most people, do you know the day that most resolutions cave in? January 12th. January 12th. So on January 10th, Planet Fitness will be packed. On January 13th, Planet Fitness, will, there will be more bagels available on Bagel Day at Planet Fitness. See, making a resolution isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's an opportunity for us to take stock, to seek improvement, right? We want to go into a new year with an attitude of expectation. Oh, when that ball drops, we're ready to roll. If I was to ask how many of you make resolutions, how many of you have made one this year? I could also ask how many of you have made the same resolution in years past? Have you ever done that? Oh, I've done that. I didn't even make January 3rd probably on mine. Are you considering areas to improve? And with that, are you considering spiritual resolutions for this year? Are you considering areas that you need to improve and you know you do to grow in God? And so I would ask this, 
How long does the average God resolution last? That's a tough one. That's what I want to talk about today. There are two areas. I want to talk about gifts, and I want to talk about resolutions. The text I'm going to be using is Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. See, when it comes to talking about things that belong to God, we can talk in church, and there are some truths that we know, and there's some uncomfortable truths that we would amen to. An example, when you talk about finances, when you talk about everything belonging to God, we're all like, yes. When you talk about it during offering time, people are just like, look straight ahead, don't make eye contact, right? Because we get uncomfortable because we're thinking, where's this leading? We hear the parable of the talents, and we tend to want to put it toward the talents that we have instead of what God has entrusted us with personally sometimes. But see, here's something today, the time. When it comes to a resolution for this year, there is a verse in the Bible, Ephesians 5.16. It says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. One thing I love about Jesus is when he would tell stories to illustrate a point. That speaks to me. So let me explain redemption, redeeming in terms that I understand. When I was young, I spent summers at my grandparents' house. I rode my bike approximately six hours a day, around in a circle. My white BMX with blue tires. That's what I rode. I hung out with my friends. The currency of us as children were these empty bottles. Do we have a picture of those? Yes, like the old school Dr. Pepper bottles, the 1024. I love these things. So we would find these because I guess a lot of people would litter and we would collect them. Well, one day we figured out that the store that was nearby would take these things and redeem them for money. Oh, man. It was on at that point. See, because as a kid, we just liked the things, and we didn't know they served any purpose. But once we figured out they served a purpose, no money ever exchanged hands at that store. What we exchanged it for was lemon heads. That's how it worked for us, see? And so we would go in, and it would be, here's my bottles. They're dirty. They're muddy. I need some lemon heads. And we would get desperate at times. See, in the Menor Cemetery, there was a pit where they put the roadkill, and with each other, we'd be like, bet you won't jump over that roadkill pit with your BMX. And if you did, maybe you'd score a bottle from one of your friends as some kind of weird reward. But see, we didn't look at it in the way of investment. But the truth was, I was learning something as kids. I was learning that there's some things that we carry around which really may be worth not a whole lot. God wants us to redeem those things for those things that are sweet. He is asking you to take the things you've been carrying around, you don't even know why you are, and begin to redeem those. See, but then grace would cut into the picture, even as kids, and here's the way grace would work. My grandfather, every once in a while, he'd call me over. He had his chair that he would just keep neighborhood watch, eating peanut brittle and pork rinds. And he'd say, Bobby, come here. And he'd pull out one, two, three crisp dollar bills. In kid terms, that was like three billion Coke bottles and Dr. Pepper bottles. 
and he would want the children to bring the candy back and just hang out with him so he could tell us stories that he may have told us several times before. See, grace would come into the picture, and that's how our Heavenly Father is. When he sees that you're redeeming, when he sees that you are doing things in the spiritual, he's going to come in and he's going to say, let me just throw some grace on top of that. Do you know why? Because I just want to spend time with you. I want you to be around me because it makes my heart happy when my children are around me. See, the moment we were saved by God, it stopped being about us. It started being about him, or at least it should be. Paul makes this point in Ephesians 2. He says, you were dead in the trespasses of the sins in which you once walked. We were dead. What was the status of my life before Jesus? We think back to who we were. See, there really wasn't me because there wasn't anything alive. It pains me to think this, but here's the truth. I am kind of a Star Wars fan. And check this out. I never really wear this because I get beat up, but it's my son's, and I can still take him so I can take that. So I have this lightsaber, right? And I was really excited to get it because five-year-old me always wanted one. Here's the truth, though. I cannot defend myself with this. It does not make me a space wizard. It does not work. There is no laser involved with it. Really disappointing to me, but that's a truth. When I think about the fact that who I was before God, like, I was just this, just this. Like, it's cool. I may have thought I was cool, but without God, without the operation of it, it wasn't a whole lot of anything going on. And so I think of this. My status before him, it may have seemed like I was alive, but really I was just a cool lightsaber. What Paul wants us to see is this. Outside of Jesus, it didn't happen. It didn't exist. It wasn't there. In Leroy, where I grew up, there were no trespassing signs. And when you saw a no trespassing sign in Leroy, you obeyed it. You don't go on someone's property. That's the way that it would work. Before Christ, it said this in the Bible. Romans 7, 19 through 20. For the good that I will to do, I don't do it. The evil that I don't want to do, I practice it. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. See, when I give in to my old nature, I fall into those things. I am going to trespass. Even on my best day, leaning on my own knowledge, I'm going to trespass. If Paul, the guy who wrote the better part of the New Testament, says these things, Imagine if we were just honest with one another in the things with our walk that we struggle with, the things that we go through. See, everything we speak, all of our actions, it's a reflection. It doesn't matter how intellectual I am. It doesn't matter how moral I am. It doesn't matter how much self-awareness I might have outside of Jesus. It's going nowhere. If I remain in his grace, I'm alive. Remain in his grace and stay alive. If I step out of his grace, there's only transgression. 
I saw a story on the news, and it was a sad story. It was about a person who owned this dog, and it was a very good dog, but the dog wandered away. And the person ended up finding out that the dog wasn't coming home in a very sad way because of the laws that existed around there. See, the dog trespassed somewhere he shouldn't have gone, and he's no longer coming home. When I was growing up and your dog would wander off, the dog warden would get it, and the dog wouldn't ask, are you a good dog? Dog warden would think, dog is where dog is not supposed to be. Take the dog to the pound. As a Christian, I veer off when I'm not under grace. I veer off when I'm trying to do things on my own. I see videos this time of year because how many kids get hoverboards for Christmas and there's always that dad who tries to ride the hoverboard. You're going to run into walls. You're going to get hurt. You're going to, why can we understand that about a $100 hoverboard, but spiritually speaking, it's so hard for us to take that in. I heard a story about a man who once visited a friend in Washington, D.C. The friend was new to the area, and the friend wanted to take the guy from out of town to a restaurant he had heard of. So they get in the car, and they're driving to go somewhere. And as they're going, if you've ever been in Washington, D.C., you understand that you go where traffic takes you. You don't go where you think you want to go. You go where traffic takes you. And as you do this, you end up where you end up. And so on the way to the restaurant, they took a wrong turn. They ended up in a parking lot. And before long, they were surrounded by cars because, see, they had wandered into what would be considered part of the Pentagon. And they were good people, but, see, when trespassing happens, it's dealt with like trespassing. That's why grace is so important. Verse 4 in Ephesians, it begins with these words, almost a church thing we make fun of at times, but God. It begins with the words, but God. See, anytime you see the words, but God, the truth is that the words are going to follow are going to be huge things. God in his goodness and mercy is not going to leave his creation in the horrible state it was in. See, love's not going to leave you out in the rain. My God's not going to leave me for dead. The picture that I see with this, how does grace feel? It feels like this story. It says, you're a 19-year-old kid, you're, cr- you're critically wounded, you're dying somewhere in the jungle of the central highlands of Vietnam. It is November 14, 1965. It says, your landing zone is x-ray, your unit is outnumbered 8 to 1. The enemy fire is so intense that from 100 miles away, your commanding officer has ordered the medevac choppers to stop coming in. You're lying there, you're listening to the enemy machine guns, and you know you're probably not getting out. Your family's halfway around the world, 12,000 miles away, and you will probably never see them again. As the world starts to fade in and out, you know that this is probably the day that it ends. Then, over the machine gun noise, you faintly hear the sound of a helicopter. You look up to see a Huey coming in, but it doesn't seem real because no medevac would be flying in with those markings. But it says here, Captain Ed Freeman's coming for you. Oh, he's not medevac, so it's not his job. But he heard the radio call, and he decided to fly his helicopter down into the machine gun fire anyway. 
Even after the other choppers were ordered not to come, he's coming anyway. And he drops in. He sits down right in the midst of the fire. And they begin to load those men three at a time. He says he flies up out through the gunfire to the doctors and to the nurses and to safety. And he keeps coming back 13 more times until all the wounded were out. See, no one on the mission knew that the captain flying that they had been hit four times in the legs and arms. But he took 29 people out that day. See, that's a true story of a Medal of Honor recipient, Captain Ed Freeman. He was Army. That's how the grace of Jesus Christ works, though. You find yourself in a position where you think, I am not getting out of this. You find yourself spiritually in a place where you think, this is it. And just... Just when you're laying there thinking, God, what have I done? What's this been about? You hear it, and it's the sound of grace. And he comes in, and, and he gets you, and he picks you up, and he takes you to a place of healing. That's how he works. That's how this grace works. But God, what did he do? See, he saved us. It says in that passage, by his love and his mercy, he saved us. He did the work of deliverance. We didn't do it. We're saved by grace. By grace. Not just grace. It's this gift of God grace. It's this grace that's so specific to you that he looked down through time. He looked down and he's like, Paul warning. That's who I, that grace specifically for him. He looks down through time, and he's like, Don Nip, that specifically for him. That's how this grace works. It's so personalized. It's not this thing, this church talk. I'm going to close in a second, but before I do that, I just wanted to explain to you the way this grace works. See, our faith in stepping out, it's on God. That's how I live in this walk. It's on you, Lord. I'm taking the steps because you're telling me to take them, and I trust that you're going to take care of me. The picture that comes in my head when I think of that is this Ice Road Trucker show. If you've ever watched that, jobs I would not want for 100, Alex. I mean, that is like, whoa. So these lakes freeze, and during these times, places that are very remote, the only way they can get supplies is by going in these huge semis across this ice. And the guys say when we drive, we can hear some cracks sometimes, but we just keep driving. See, it's not the faith in getting into the truck or even getting out onto the lake that saves them. It's the thickness of the ice. It's the thickness of the grace. It's the fact that they don't have control over it after a certain point, and they're okay. Understand that I'm speaking to you. You don't have control over certain things, but he does, and it's okay. I think that after Lazarus was called forth, I can only imagine what that first day out of the grave was like for him. 
And I sincerely doubt that he went back to all the things that he used to do, just like that. You think about us. You think about all the things that could be accomplishments. But you think about right before you take your last breath is the thought that's going to be in your head, I'm so glad that my golf swing is perfect and I don't slice anymore. I'm so glad I joined that book club. No. It's going to be on things of the eternal. It's going to be on Jesus Christ. And so I ask you this. Just like Lazarus probably understood grace in a whole different way the day after being resurrected. Think of the way that you travel when you're carrying a gift. Think about how you hold it. Put it in the trunk so gently. If we don't look at it like a gift, have you ever seen those videos of the UPS guys or FedEx or whoever just handling packages roughly? You see some of these delivery people, and sometimes it's almost like they punt the gift up onto the porch. Carry grace like it's a gift. And so I would say this, in this new year, resolve to carry the gift of grace in a way like a king gave it to you. Resolve to carry it in a way that you know who it's from. You know what it costs. You know what it's for. See, just as those wise men carefully carried gifts to a Savior, carry the gifts the Savior gave you in a careful way. In Philippians 3, 13 through 14, he says this, Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do is this, I forget what is behind and I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. If you're married... In the days before GPS, when you traveled with a paper map, on longer trips, I can guarantee you probably argued with your spouse. Whoever was driving and whoever was navigating, there would be an issue. There'd be wrong turns. I was there. I'll admit it. Probably my fault. I'll admit it. When we would go on our way to vacation, we would have these directions written out by my brother-in-law, who had been down that road 117 times. Me, never. Didn't know the route like he did. We'd get lost. We would probably argue. My kids would be doing what kids do, making everything more tense probably on a trip because they're like, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? But here's the deal. When we would get to the beach, what happened before that was in the past. When I got to the beach, show this picture. Oh, this was me. This really isn't me, but that's like something I do, really. Like the rockets out there in the ocean. The destination made it all worth the while. And so in the eternal sense today, I ask you to resolve these three things. Resolve to redeem. Whatever things there may be in your life that you may think serve no purpose, ask God to help you redeem them for his purposes. Number two, resolve to seek out the sweet things of grace. 
Seek it out. Savor it. My Lord, there are times when it just feels like the weight of the world, you know, because when you put on the mantle of a pastor, that's a heavy mantle sometimes. And there's some days where I just think, man, imagine when the biggest worry that I had was getting boxes of lemon heads. That was my struggle that day. Resolve to seek out the sweet things. And finally, resolve to carry those things that have been entrusted to you in a manner that will get them safely across the finish line. Resolve it. We're going to close in a minute. Here's how we're going to do this. Going to ask for worship team to come up. Going to ask for prayer elders to come forward. If you're here, and you don't know Jesus Christ, when the prayer elders are here, I invite you to come down. You can come down now. It's okay. As the worship team plays softly, can you play? This is how I fight my battle softly. I would ask that if you're here, and as I said before, to go back into that, if there's something that you're carrying around that you're done carrying, if there's something that you need someone to agree in prayer with you about, you need to come down here. See, we aren't, this isn't superheroes. I think they're great. But see, what they are are Bible-believing prayer warriors who will agree with you and who will stand in the gap for the things that are happening in the spiritual. And so as they play, I'm going to ask that everyone stand. We're going to pray. After we pray, I would just ask you, worship with them for this last song. If you're here and you need prayer, come down here. When they're done with that song, oh, we'll be dismissed. We can go out. I hope you have the best New Year ever. I hope that we see you here for New Year's Eve because I'd love to spend time with you. But as they sing that, let's pray. God, I thank you for today, and I thank you for your grace, for your plans that supersede anything that I may do in myself, God. I pray that you would take this body, this family, into the new year in a strong way, in a fresh way. I pray that your spirit, God, would guide each and every one. And Lord, I pray that this would not be another year where we look back and say, I wish I would have. Let this be about you and your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.